Hey there, welcome to the Global Wear Podcast. Before we get into the information, please note this is a special episode, part two of four of an information session series for people who are signed up for our Zimbabwe Game Count program in September. It'll be quite different than our usual episodes, and while the content is still interesting, it may be worthwhile to check out one of our other episodes for fun listen with myself and Globalware Executive Director Kimberly Haley Coleman if you're not signed up for the Zimbabwe program. If you are signed up for the Zimbabwe program, though, you're in the right place. We've got all the information you need recorded in this information session. Without further ado, we'll get into it. Part two of the briefing deals with the next part of the form you have to complete. The next item on the form is gender. Now, gender is quite important uh, for research purposes. And in our data collection, we only have three options. The first is male. The second is female. And those are the only two genders that are recognized. If you can't identify whether it's male or female, you put it down as unidentified. Now, like our concern is that the, the percentage of unidentified is very high in animals which should not have a high percentage, particularly things like kudu. There shouldn't be a problem identifying males and females, and having a large percentage of unidentified is a problem. It's important for the researchers to have this breakdown because it affects their study of herd dynamics and um, population dynamics in general. Right, we're going to start with the easy ones. The males and females of some antelope have different horn configurations. Uh, in fact, don't the females don't have horns. So if you ha have siakudu, it should be fairly simple to identify the male and the uh, male and the female. Even the very young animals, the, the male gets his male characteristics very early on. And even at a few months, yeah. Right, so you should be able to identify, like you should be able to identify the males fairly early on, uh, in Kudu anyway. Um, Waterbuck, again, the males have got fairly, very prominent horns and they develop them fairly young. There shouldn't be a problem separating male and female uh, waterbuck. Impala, again, the percentage of unidentified in impala is very, very high. And this is a concern to us because even at a very young age, the horns are were quite well developed. You're not going to see impala under a few months old. Um, the normal, rut, no, the normal dropping of calves is in November. So majority of impala you'll see will be over 10 months old. And those have very well-developed little horns. And there shouldn't be a difficulty in separating them. 
The only problem is obviously at night when they're far, uh, far away. But again, we're concerned that people aren't paying enough attention and are just glibly putting in unidentified. Okay, bushbuck, again, they are fairly easy to pick up and the horns develop very young. Dica, same thing, the horns are well developed and easy to pick up. Steenbuck particularly have got very prominent horns and you can't mistake those. Cliff spring are the same thing, very prominent horns and very easy to see. The one you might have difficulty with is the Facebook. Again, it's a little animal and it hovers around in the undergrowth. It doesn't really come in uh, to the open. And also his horns are very, very small. The world record is under three inches. So the average Facebook male you're gonna see is gonna have horns well under two inches long or 40 centimeters. So he is a bit more difficult to uh, pick up than the other animals. Reedback, fairly simple. Orabi, the same thing. Prominent horns, shouldn't mis mistake male and female. Right, now, when you have animals with horns on both sexes, it, life gets a little more complicated. Uh, and the books, and partly this presentation, will tell you it's not difficult. They will say, right, there we have it. Um, longer horns in the females, chunky horns in the males. Males are much more solid uh, and easy to identify. And they'll give you a picture of male like I've done here. Very, very simple. The females are delicate, longer horns, uh, less dewlap, and less body weight, which is fine, except you're presented with that. In the middle of the night, uh, an eland will arrive, and you now have to pay very close attention to that eland. Now, you have to try and work out whether that's a male or a female. And this is where your optics come into play. If you've got very good optics, uh, it's not that difficult. If you're got poor quality optics, you're going to struggle. But again, you, eland come in by themselves. They don't normally come in with other animals. So you have got plenty of time to scrutinize them and pick out the males. Now we move on to an area where life gets a little more complicated. Chemspock are virtually identical. And the body shape, the coloring, everything is very, very similar in males and females. The males in their maturity are slightly bigger and bigger, stronger. But the difference is in the penile, what they call the penile button. Down there, the end of the penis is in a little shield. And if you look at the bottom of the belly, you will see a little black dot. Um, and if you look at the female, it's clean. So that is the giveaway for a lot of animals in that range. And it applies to the next species as well. Sable, the same thing. The coloring is different in the mature males. Mature males are very, very dark and glossy and very easy to pick up. The, the females are a lighter color and uh, are fairly different, different. However, the immature males are very similar in coloring to the females. And again, you have to look at the bottom of the belly and pick up the penile button to identify a male or an immature male uh, in the sable. 
The same thing applies to roan. Uh, the other animal that I find extremely difficult to separate are the next three species. A wildebeest, uh, the sesame, and the red hardebeest. They, the problem there is that if they have a pin, well, if you can pick up the penile button, it's the same coloring as the belly. Whereas in the other animals, it's a different coloring and you can pick it up quite quickly. This, these animals, it's a lot more difficult. If they've got a calf next to them, you can assume it's a female. But picking up the males and females in these three species is difficult. The books will tell you that the sesame males have got heavier horns. Uh, I'm not sure that's actually correct. Uh, the, the horns don't seem to be that different, although the big mature males, you can probably pick up a difference. But again, as you can see here, it's very, very difficult to pick up. Those are both females. Same applies to red hardebeest. They're very difficult to, uh, to identify males and females. Roan, again, your penile button. In this case, the, the penis is starting to become erect because it's interested in the female and makes it life a lot easier. But the roan you will pick up from penile button. If they're lying down, you've got no price. But you will only see roan walking into the pan and they'll be on all four legs. So you will have a chance to see the underside of the belly. Buffalo, you pick up on bosses mainly because normally they're facing you when they're drinking like that, and you can identify the males and females in bosses. Um, the female there. You can also look at the udder and genitalia and try and pick it up that way. But in a big herd, it's quite difficult. You can sort of pick your way through the herd and say, look, about 20% of males, 80% females, whatever. But that is your identification if you see single animals or small groups of animals. Look at the bosses. If the bosses are very well developed, then they are males. And if you have a small group, the chances are that they are all males. Right, elephant. John Hanks's book will give you this diagram, and it's dead easy. You've got pointed uh, forehead and a rounded skull on, on, on the males. However, in reality, that's not that easy. Uh, you have a, quite a lot of difficulty picking the differences up um, in biggish herds. I find that to separate the big females from um, young males, uh, if you look under the armpit, you'll find that the female has got a mammary gland. They don't have udders. And the mammary gland is quite prominent. And you can pick it up quite easily if you, if you know where to look. So as the leg moves forward, the mammary gland is exposed. So if you're seeing a big female or a big animal that you're not quite sure is male or female, uh, and you're not quite 100% certain about the forehead, uh, go down to the armpit. And if you can't see the mammary gland, it's, it's probably a male. Giraffe, you look at the underside of the belly. Uh, all these giraffe are male. I haven't got a picture of a female. Uh, theoretically, again, they fight and the, the top tips of the antlers get worn. But as you can see with these males here, they obviously don't fight too much because the antlers are quite furry. Um, but look at the underside of the belly and that'll pick up whether it's male or female. 
lion. Now, in the cat family and in the warthogs, uh, wild pig, uh, painted dog, jackals, if you can get a rear view of the animal, uh, the genitalia are very prominent. Uh, the gonads on the male are, are generally not quite prominent, and you can pick up the sex of the animal very quickly. However, most of the time they're not facing you. No, they're facing you, and you're not able to see the back of the animal. Uh, one of the problems I had preparing this sli these slides was that looking for slides uh, or visual aids to illustrate that um, the search engines generally either blocked me on a parental block or took me to websites which are totally inappropriate. So I haven't got slides uh, apart from the zebra to show you that. Now, what you have a problem with in a lot of these animals is that the sub-adults, uh, the sub-adults are generally very difficult to uh, identify. The lions, when they're sort of eight months, nine months old, are very, very similar. Um, and while the, the males will develop a bit of a mane quite early on, um, they are quite difficult to separate. And again, unless you get a rear view of the animal, um, it's, it's difficult to separate the sub-adults. Leopard, the same thing. Uh, leopard here side by side, you can see the chunkier male and the more delicate female. However, you very seldom see two leopard together. So they are very, very difficult unless you see them from behind. The same thing with cheetah. Cheetah are probably more, more than the leopard because the, leopard, the cheetah body shapes are very, very similar. Right? There's virtually no difference between male and female, except the male is often a bit bigger. Zebra. Now, zebra uh, are very, very difficult unless they're obvious. Uh, if they're aroused, then the males are fairly obvious, but normally they're very difficult. Now, over the years, they have been had a system where they banned female hunting of hunting a female zebra entirely. And the hunters had to figure out a way of identifying these animals and, and not get fined for hunting the wrong animal. And they have come up with a couple of theories. Now, this one here, the, the black stripe down the back there indicates a male and a female. Um, if there's a wide black stripe, um, that apparently is the female and that is the male. But again, you've got to have a rear view of these animals. And that doesn't often happen. There, as you see, a male and a female together, I'm not sure how you'd separate those two. Those people that are into horses uh, will pick up a stallion or mature stallion quite easily because, because of the body shape. But the immatures, and for us who don't ride horses too often, it's, it's quite difficult. Right, the next thing we look at is what we define as a young animal. Now, in um, surveys for game ranches and things like that, it's quite often practiced to pick up various age groups. 
because that affects the, the population and the population takeoff possibilities. But in our situation, we are not using trained observers. Uh, we haven't got ecologists doing every count. Uh, we're using amateurs to a large degree. And because of that, we have defined young as dependent on the mother. Okay, so very young animals that you need to look at. Elephant, for example, they are up to a certain age, they are still dependent on the mother, they have to suckle. But after that, they might be dependent on the herd because they can't survive on their own, but they are independent of the mother. John Hanks, again, had a series of diagrams, not only for elephant, but for a lot of animals. But here you can see how he split them up, adults, sub-adults, intermediate, juvenile, and infant. Now, we would consider juvenile and infant as young. Everything else above that is adult or sub-adult. And we, declare, we classify them all as adult. So if it can fit underneath the mother's belly, it would be classified as young. Okay. Impala. Now, Impala breed normally in November. They occasionally have young uh, mid-year. Um, but in any case, you, you're not going to see Impala young under the age of six months at the very least. Most of them will be 11, 10, 11 months old. And this is the type of animal that you would see if you came there in November. This is the, the babies that arrive in November. There should be none in September. If you do see them, please take a photograph so you've got some visual evidence of it, uh, because it would be very, very unusual. The same thing applies to warthog. Warthog generally wait till the rains before their young emerge from the burrows. So again, you're unlikely to see young warthog. Wildebeest, theoretically the same position. They breed late in the year, and we shouldn't see young. However, the, the wildebeest in Wanky no longer migrate, and they're static animals. So it's possible they're breeding all year round. If you see a very young wildebeest, please again take a photo of it. So you've got visual evidence to prove that uh, we are actually seeing young, and young are very easy to identify. They are a very different color, and they are obviously much smaller. If you're lucky enough to see cheetah, and they have got a cub, it's unmistakable. The same thing with leopard. Uh, I don't think too many people have ever seen a leopard cub on the game count. The mothers are far too protective. Lion, again, the issue is that you have to have a cutoff date. And again, I would say if that lion cub is higher than the mother's belly, then it's probably weaned. It's still dependent on the pride, but it's not dependent on mother. So we have to follow the rules throughout for all animals. Buffalo, again, they get weaned at about eight, nine months. And by eight, nine months, they sort of halfway up the mother's um, shoulder. So at that stage, they will be weaned. They'll have little horns and they'll be on their way. 
Right, the next thing is the total. Once you've count, uh, entered all your animals, uh, you, you've got to add them up, and adding up must obviously add up to the three columns. Uh, it doesn't always do that. But once you've got that total, that gives us what is known as the group size. Now, one problem with groups is that if more than one species come together as a group, our computer is not designed to enter that. We enter animals as separate species. So if you have a mixed group, like in this case here, uh, we have a, a Hemspock with a group of sable. Uh, you enter that as two separate groups and you put in the comments column that they came in together. Other groups uh, of various sizes. The very few animals in Wanky operate in herds. Buffalo are one of the few animals that operate in herds. Um, and the herd is a single unit. And they vary in size uh, from a few hundred animals through to over a thousand animals. Um, if they come in, in in a small group, um, they're generally males, and it's a group of what we call dugger boys, and it's a small group of males, occasionally with a female, but normally just the old boys coming in for a drink. Lionel moving prides, they're quite difficult to count because they scatter out, they, they don't sit in a big, nice clump like this. This is, in fact, part of a group of about 17 animals. So take your time. If they're hanging around your uh, viewpoint, just don't assume that you count them all in the first glance because the, the little ones will pop out from all over the place. Um, but they'll either be in a group like that or solitary. Occasionally, you get an alliance of two or three males, but normally it's, it's a pride or solitary animals. The solitary animals can either be male or female. Impala, again, they come in two sets of groups. The bachelor herds, as they call, are the animals that haven't got a harem and they hang out together and they will form a, a sort of small group or an alliance and generally be not all male. Then you get your family groups, uh, and normally these have got one dominant adult male and a bunch of females and some immature animals, males. Now, these, as you can see, are heavily pregnant, and this is what you'll probably see on your game count because October, November is the earliest they will breed, and they will hold back until the rains come, and end of September, 90% of the adult females should be pregnant. And you'll see the odd male with them. Um, there's no competition at this time of the year. So you might see two or three adult males with that group. Waterbuck, again, they, the youngsters or young adults, well, young adult males will form little coalitions and they'll form uh, a small group. Um, this particular group here uh, was actually taken in Lower Zambezi National Park and was about 30 animals. I've never seen so many in one place. But normally there'd be three or four, maybe five young adults, males in a group, 
And the typical group is the family group with a, a dominant male and females with some sub-adult animals in the group. Elephant typically would be a matriarch with supporting females and sub-adult males and babies. Uh, a, a big mature male might tag along every now and again, particularly if there's an interesting uh, female in the group. But normally speaking, it's a matriarch with a bunch of females with their siblings or their offspring with them. A big conglomeration like that is not a herd. Elephant and wanky don't form big herds. There will be maybe three, four hundred elephants sometime out of pan at one time, but they, they're all separate little groups that have come in and they spend a lot of time socializing. They spend a lot of time talking to each other. And it's quite an interesting experience watching the elephant move in and sort of reacquaint themselves with others they haven't seen maybe for a couple of days. And the big bulls will wander around seeing if there's anything interesting in the, in the, in the mix. But they are not a herd. Zebra, they are a bit of an oddity in a way, because typically a group of zebra is a stallion with a few mares and the offspring. But those groups move together. In other words, you'll have several groups moving in, in similar areas and using similar grazing. But they are distinct little groups. And normally when they drink, they come in in their small little groups and you'll have nine, 10, maybe eight coming in and drinking, then maybe mixing with the others. But it's better to try and record them as groups because the researchers want to know how big a small uh, a group of zebra can get. Uh, normally a stallion will have three or four mares, but sometimes they have more. Um, and what happens to the single stallions is something everybody wants to know. So if you see single stallions, obviously we'll, uh, record them. Right, what happens if you get there and there are people or animals there already? Right, the hippo are most common, obviously, because they are permanently resident. They need water. When you get there and you see a hippo, record it. But be a bit cautious because zebra, I mean, zebra, uh, hippo are very protective of their young. And quite often, if it's a very small hippo, you won't actually see it. And only when they go out to graze will you see it. So when they go out to graze, that is a good time to make sure you've counted all the animals. When they come back, re-record them, because often they come back with either more animals or less animals, because this is when they, they sort of diversify and spread out and go to other, other pans. The other animals that you will find possibly causing semi-residence is the diker. Diker are very territorial, and they have part of their diet is found in the, in the dung of particular animals. And they will forage around uh, the edge of the pan and pop in and out most of the night. And we don't want to record uh, 20 diker because, because being they're very territorial, it's unlikely you'll have more than one diker in that area. If you see two together, obviously that's, that's important and we need to know that. The other animal that um, is semi-resident is the jackal. They quite often like making their dens in anthills 
close to the pan because it's close to water. And being close to water, they can drink also their prey species like uh, guinea fowl and that come to them. So it's a favorable place for jackal to put pans. Doppy have got a resident pair there. Um, and I have seen a resident pair at Nguishla. I don't know if they're still there. But record them once. Don't record them 25 times. Uh, and just make a note in the comments column that they were popping in and out all day. Crocodiles are not mammals. They are reptiles. They might be big and ugly, but they are not recorded. Right, the comments column is for researchers particularly to um, get sort of more detailed information. The most common one is where you see a group of animals that you are fairly certain have been there before. This is particularly common in zebra. The zebra will come in and drink and wander off and graze, maybe just over the hill or just around the corner, and then come back. And they quite often drink more than twice in a day. Uh, if you're confident that you've seen that particular group of zebra before, just make a note. Don't say, look, I've seen them before. They're in my records. Because the researchers need to know which animals are drinking more than once a day. That is quite important to them, uh, particularly when they're planning uh, what pans to put in, where to put them in. The other things, anything unusual, like snare wounds, unfortunately, those of you that go down into the far south of the pan park will probably come across a lot of elephant with damaged tusks, with damaged trunks. Um, and it's, it's quite pathetic to see some of the poor state of the trunks, um, shortened trunks and the most heartbreaking one is to see an elephant with a hole halfway up his trunk uh, struggling to drink because half the water is just uh, siphoning out. Other unusual things, collars, uh, animals are collared quite regularly. Lion are uh, the first to be collared, but they are buffalo collared, they are wild dog collared, and now they're collaring some of the, the other species. The collars are big and they're prominent, um, and you need to note down that the animals were collared. And if it's more than one in the group, which is unlikely, um, make a note of that too. I don't think there are any elephant collared at the moment, but someone may be collaring them without telling us. The other thing is that we uh, have unusual behavior, which um, people want to know about. Uh, this, unfortunately, uh, was supposed to be a video clip, but uh, because of our bandwidths, I've had to put it through as a slide. These two bulls came in with their uh, respective harems and immediately started acting aggressively towards each other. Now, normally that would end up in quite a big punch-up. Um, Sable are quite notorious for having quite serious wars. Um, and they, they fight very fiercely. But these two decided to dance it out. And they danced around each other, as you can see there, with their tails horizontal. And they danced in a tight little circle for about 10 minutes. And then one, one's nerve break broke and he ran away, leaving his females for the other guy. So that type of thing, anything unusual, you put in the co uh, comments column. Okay, now that completes your form. Your form is now ready. Uh, double check your numbers. Make sure you've added up male, female, and un unidentified uh, accurately, and your line total is the same. 
because the computer does this automatically. It does not accept your line total. It takes the three columns and it generates the line total. And if the line total is different from your total, uh, then we've got to make some decisions. Um, the other column drank, yes or no, uh, that you fill in at, at the time. When you've done that, please check your carried forward numbers. Uh, because again, when that doesn't work, we start having concerns. You make sure your sheets are all numbered because sheets can go missing. And if we um, have sheet three or five and we've only got four sheets, um, we know there's something wrong. Do not take it home. We need the originals. Research uh, organizations, uh, make their research valid basically because they can go back to the original documents and they can verify that what we've given them as data from the computer is accurate. So we need to have the originals. Don't take it home and scan it and send it to me because I have to scan that and store that. By the time we scanned it three or four times, you can't read it. So please do not take them home. Okay, that concludes this one. Thank you very much. It'll be on the website uh, and available to you quite soon. Thanks for joining us. For more information about Globalware, just visit our website or our Facebook or LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. We're pretty much on every one of the social media platforms. As always, have a good day and safe travels.